This is In the Trenches, Broadcast 22. Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Ryan, thanks so much for being on the call with us today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to what you're doing right now with Hanley Media Labs and Content Warfare. It's the roundabout story, right? Like falling into things and eventually finding what you're what you're passionate about and what you want to do. Um, I, I, you know, I did the college thing and went to college, and I, I didn't grow up in the a good situation family wise, but we were not we didn't have a lot of money. So I said the only way that I can get out of this crappy little town that I live in is if I go to a really great college and then I get a corporate job. So I did that, and I went to University of Rochester. And um, got a degree in mathematics. Gradu- you know, when I graduated, I became a consultant for uh, an international accounting firm down in Washington, D.C. Worked there for five years. And I hated every single second of it. And I thought that I would love it. And, but it was like round peg, square hole, or square peg, round hole, whatever that saying is. And so I said, okay, maybe it's just accounting that I don't like. So I got a job in uh, finance at American Express in Manhattan. So I worked in their corporate headquarters in the financial district, and I did that for a year. And it was just, again, immediately – like I wasn't going to wait five years this time. Like within the first year, I knew that this just – it just wasn't working. Um, Actually, I I wasn't even Ryan Hanley there. I was like – MK032A or something like that, right? Like that was like how I logged <laughs> yeah. into my computer. That was like what was on, yep. like it was like my name and then underneath my name tag was that like series of letters and numbers. That's how my mail came. I was like, oh, this is just awful. And um, you ever see that Dunkin' Donuts commercial where the guy like walks in with a cup of coffee and all little heads pop up from the cubicles? Like 100% <laughs> that, was, that was where I worked. So it just wasn't working. And uh, I said, okay, well, maybe – I'm meant to kind of be a salesman, maybe working in operations and back office stuff just isn't what I was meant for and I should be sales. So uh, by fluke luck, I guess luck is one way to put it, um, my wife's father owned an independent insurance agency. So he kind of did the mafioso style, made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Um, so I, I took a sales job with uh, with this – with the. 15-person independent insurance agency, and I did sales for five and a half years. And though sales got me closer to where I wanted to be, it's still selling insurance wasn't my passion. And what I I really ended up coming back to was this idea of teaching and helping people, which is what I really wanted to do originally. But to be an educator in the United States, like in high school today, there's just like such a – there's such a ceiling on what your income can be and what your life can be that uh, I didn't want to do that. Uh, So I found this – helping people through blogging and doing podcasts and, uh, and, and I was moonlighting and consulting. And finally I got the Murray group to a point where there's really no place for me to go. So about three weeks ago, uh, I kind of soft launched my own digital marketing agency, Hanley Media Lab, where, uh, targeting mid to small size businesses and helping them win the battle for attention and stand out from the crowd. And it's been very, very good stuff. I feel alive 
and uh, I'm just very happy to be where I am right now. Dude, that is awesome and a great story. Uh, you know, I've, obviously we've connected before, and so I know you're a hustler, and so I know what you put into your work, and I'm also aware of the quality of work that you create, uh, and I have been for some time. I mean, really, if I have any questions when it comes to like a lot of different things on social networks and social outreach and things like that, especially Google Plus or anything like that, I'm just like, Ryan's the guy. Like, I always just, I'm like, go to Ryan, just ask Ryan, he'll, he'll know the answer. Yeah, man. So tell me, so that's, you know, cause, and that's kind of how I know you is from, from what you've done with uh, Content Warfare, your Content Warfare podcast, and the fact that you've essentially dominated the space in uh, Google+, Plus, which is interesting because I literally just read an article where you were mentioning Unbounce, which is a pretty massive um, website and company, and, and they mentioned you as being like the go-to guy when it came to uh, Google+. Plus. So tell me about that. How does that, uh, is that just one aspect of what you do at Hanley Media Lab? Yeah, so Google+, Plus is really... So ultimately, my goal is to help companies tell their story, right? So uh, actually, the the book that I'm currently writing, the, the tagline is really what I do for people. I, I help them find their audience. I help them then tell their story and use that story to kind of stand out and grow their business. And that's what I love doing when I get, when I get into businesses. It's really all about who are we trying to reach and what is it about your company, what you do, what you sell, what you believe in that connects with that group of people. So uh, getting back to the social network question. Um, there are certain social networks which I feel allow us to do that really, really well and other social networks which don't. Uh, my and, and some just work better for me, right? So for me personally um, and the clients I work with, I found that Google Plus is an incredible tool both from its ability to build uh, very strong relationships with people who will ultimately become brand loyalists, brand evangelists, uh, and, and potentially clients as well. Uh, and also, it allows you to stand out in search. So the technical side of someone has a problem, they stick it in Google, you want to be found. Um, that's important to, to, to almost every business. Google Plus helps you do that. It also has this other long-form, very deep, very conversational component, which inside the social network itself uh, lends to building very strong relationships. So I really like that aspect of that social network. Um, I, I enjoy YouTube, so that's a big part of what I do. And then the other social networks I'm proficient in, but aren't necessarily, I, I don't have an expertise in. And when my clients really need deep, deep dives on those, I just bring other people in. So I'm completely uh, comfortable kind of outsourcing help if they need it. But you know, things like LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook are all great. I just... From all my work in them, I've never found that I feel like a lot of the relationships end up being very surface oriented. And, you know, Facebook's great. You try to accumulate all these likes and then you pay money so that you can get your message to them and that's fine. But I don't know. I've just the goal has always just seemed accumulation on those platforms where on Google Plus it's more how valuable or, or how much value am I bringing to these people who who will take my message and spread it to all their people if we build a strong relationship. I just don't see that type of connectivity happening on a lot of these other places. Yeah, well, that's and I'm glad you brought up the book because I want to get into that right now um, and, and with with this kind of bridge to it where you mentioned, and I, I see the the pros and cons of multiple different, like different various uh, social networking platforms and the idea of like connecting, et cetera. Some are good for advertising, some are good for whatever. So yeah. there's, there's pros and cons to every single one. What I found that stuck um, stuck out to me though when you were just talking was the power of actually providing value and connecting with an audience. So I know you're a big proponent of that. I know you push that again and again and again, that that concept that it's all about value creation, it's all about connecting and building relationships. 
has that so t- so tell me tell me a little bit about that and is that a cornerstone of your book that you're writing um yeah con- content warfare absolutely book. so it, yeah the title of the book is content warfare and there's it's really broken up into three sections um and the tagline kind of names the or the not the tagline, the subtitle uh, names the sections. It's, it's how to find your audience, how to tell your story, how to win a battle for attention. And so a third of the book is actually built around this idea of what is an audience? How do we find slash choose the audience that we want to speak to? How do we connect with them? Like it's, it's all about audience building and audience engagement because uh, my – I'm not an incredibly good writer. I'm not an incredibly good interviewer. I'm not incredibly good at any of these things. And I'm not just trying to be humble. I'm just, there are people who are better than me and I'm aware of that. But I think one of the few things that I'm very good at is uh, just an absolute like psychotic persistence to giving as much value as I can to the people who support me without ever asking for anything in return. And what I found, and this isn't groundbreaking, you know, like a groundbreaking thought or anything, but what I found over and over again is that the people who, who really can be of value to you will help you uh, because you helped them. Right. So there's there's two there's two thoughts there. There's this whole concept of influencer marketing, which I think has merit. But I think what's left out of that conversation a lot is the idea of who is actually an influencer of value to you, because I may see someone and say, geez, I would love to have access to their audience. That's an influencer I really want to market to. And I'd love it if they were pushing my stuff. But if they don't believe in me, they don't believe in my message, they don't care to make my message part of their brand, then they're of almost absolutely or they're of no value to me, regardless of how many times they tweet it or email it out or whatever. Um, so it's really how are we connecting with the people who are going to want to integrate our message into who they are and, and make it part of their thing, right? Like, uh, you know, the, the, the example that's been used uh, at nauseum is Apple, but it just, it's so true. And that's why it's used so often, right? Like you use an Apple computer, if you fall in love with it, it's not just the computer that you use. You are an Apple user. It's something that you literally like have tattooed on your body and you believe in the message and you believe in the whole thought of, uh, you know, this kind of creative nature that people have, like you just feel more creative when you have one of these computers. And uh, whether there's any truth to that or not, that's the what you believe. And it's finding that group of people much smaller than the people, all the people who read and all the people who listen. But that core group, if you can really drill down into them and and be their value resource, I mean, that's when the needle starts to move, um, at least from yeah. my, from what I've seen. Yeah. Okay. So tell me. So that's one one section of the book. Is that the is that the first section, or do we actually do we jump into the middle somewhere? Nope, that's or, the first so what section. are the other two? Okay. Perfect. So so take me to the second section. So okay. So once you've found your audience, defined who it is, and uh, and established a way to connect with them, it's time. You know, before you actually do that connection, you you have to figure out what your story is going to be, right? So. Uh, a lot of people or, or a lot of books that I've read, and, and this is kind of where I see this story being a little different, this narrative being a little different, is it's it's what are we going to say first and then how are we going to broadcast it to them? Uh, the approach that I take is who are the people that I want to be surrounded with and then what am I going to interject into that conversation that's going to be valuable to them? So it's story second, um, audience first, story second. So then it's 
who am I? What do I believe in? What things can I um, can I add to this conversation? How can I put my own spin on this? Uh, what gets me up every day? How does the products I sell integrate into the lives of that audience? So there's all these little components that make up your story, and it's it's really. If we were doing a video thing, I could do my, use my hands to create the three concentric kind of circles that intertwine. You've probably seen this diagram multiple times, but uh, for purposes of telling a business story, a story around a corporation or 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 a, kind of a for-profit story, uh, there's really three components. There's uh, your company, there's the clients, and then there's the community that you that you work in. So. It's where all three intersect is ultimately what makes your story as a business. So it's talking about who are your people? Where do they come from? Why are they there? Why do they show up every day? What do they do? Um, Talking about your clients. So really there's two portions to that. There's who are your clients and why do they do business with you? And also how do you serve your clients? And then the third concentric circle is community. And that's talking about issues not directly related to your business or your clients in particular, but that are impacting what you do. So uh, if it's a local business, this is very easy. You're talking about uh, different things like uh, festivals that are going on or uh, new regulations that may be impacting your, your niche market. If you're a virtual business, it's talking about maybe uh, some of the new tools that support your greater industry and how you know you can do reviews of those tools or, or you can become the resource in uh, safety in your industry or the resource in connectivity uh, in your industry and, and support the community that way. So it's really those three pieces that ultimately come together and form your story. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, audience first, story second. That's great. And I like those three components. So I would actually, it, it kind of sucks right now because I know we have limited time and I would love to dig into this piece of it. But I, 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 wanna, I want you to briefly go over the third part of the book. And then if we can, if we still have time, I want to know about how you're launching this book. Yes. Um, and I want to hear that story. So is that, do we have enough time for that? Yeah, we definitely do. So let's do that. Yeah. So the third portion of the book is then uh, how do we take this audience and our story and ultimately win the battle for attention. Okay. So, um, you know, attention is the kind of term that's, that's thrown around a lot by marketers. Um, some people look at attention, they say it's valueless. Some people say it's the most valuable thing that we have in the digital space. So the argument that I'm obviously making is that it, it's an, an particular type of attention is the most valuable thing that a business can have today. Uh, it's not necessarily your products or services. Um, it's not your uh, your ability to provide customer service. It's not your prices. It's this third. It's this fourth component called that I call experience, and ultimately the attention that that experience attracts. So. Again, if we were doing a video call, I would use my hands to make the diagram, but essentially think of a triangle and three points of a triangle, right? So uh, up until the invention of the internet, uh, there was uh, customer service, you know, say good customer service. There was price, uh, cheap, expensive. There was um, uh, delivery, fast, slow. And before the invention of the internet, customers' expectations were that we could only provide, as service providers of anything, two sides of that triangle. So you could be, you could have incredibly good service or product and be very cheap, but they, but the clients knew it was going to take a very long time to deliver that product. You could have very, you could be very cheap and very quick, but they, they knew the product was going to suck. Today, with the advent of the internet, outsourced, uh, you know, manufacturing and shipping is super low cost versus what it used to be. Uh, 
clients, customers now expect all three sides of that triangle as the barrier to entry for being a, a good business, right? So you can I, I, actually this is this is a good anecdote. Uh, I gave a presentation to a group of about sixty five insurance agents yesterday in Rhode Island, and I said, "What is your differentiator?" I said, "Everyone here, what's your differentiator?" Good service, good service. Every single person, good service, good service. I said, so, okay, good service can't be your differentiator if there's 17 of you in the room that have good service, right? I mean, just think about that. If, if yep. everyone in this room says that good service is their differentiator, then it's not a differentiator. It's the barrier because it's what people expect. If you don't have good service, you don't get any business. Good service just gets you in the door. The difference is the experience that you're creating. An example I used in that room was uh, one of the agency's owners uh, was a big uh, Harley enthusiast. And I said, this is perfect. You can use your desire uh, or your desire, your uh, love for Harleys and build an experience around that because you talk motorcycle. You can talk about what's happening in the industry. Uh, what are new versions of Harleys that are coming out? What are classic Harleys? How have they changed? What are new spoilers? I mean, there's a million things. You can go to all these different pieces and create an experience around Harley lovers and motorcycle enthusiasts in general, and you're going to get attention from those people that connect with that message, who believe in that you know the kind of ride or die lifestyle. Um, you know, that's the kind of attention that you that you want because you built it around an experience, and that attention is going to stick. So that's just kind of one facet yeah. of it. Um, I want to talk about uh, how we're actually launching the book too because I think it's super interesting. But it's more yeah. this idea of. Of, of the fourth dimension of attention, right? Like I can shout out, I mean, Geico, just, just talking to the insurance industry because obviously um, I have a natural niche there. Geico gets a, sh a ton of attention, right? They have all yeah. these commercials that price, 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 and they get your attention. But the attention doesn't stick. They have an incredibly low retention rate because the attention doesn't stick. It's not built on any experience. There's no brand loyalty. They're only loyal to the price and the perception that it's easier to buy from them. As soon as you can build this fourth dimension experience and attract those people's attention to that, the other three things no longer matter because you have to do those three things, right? So yeah. you're already doing those three things. And if you can add the fourth dimension, you get sticky attention and you found the right audience, you're telling the right story, you've built the experience and you grab that sticky attention and now – now your business is growing and sustaining. Now you're building the foundation of a business uh, that can't be knocked down. That's awesome. No, I love that. I, I, it's funny because while, may, again, maybe not something that's, that, that is like, quote unquote, like groundbreaking, the idea of experience, like we all, we all understand, or let me put it this way. We all understand yes. that we appreciate a good experience. You know what I mean? Like we understand it, at least subconsciously, we, we know what a, we know what a bad experience is like, for sure. Like, that's easy to identify. And sometimes the really good experiences, we don't identify it as, like, per, per se, the good experience. But it's, it's just interesting when you, when you put it that way. You're right. It's not attention. It's, it's, it's the experience that matters. It's what creates the loyalty. Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, yeah, I bet if you picked out the, you know, the most successful brands, most successful businesses in the world, they have that, they've created that experience that creates that brand loyalty. Yeah, I mean, think about the other most used marketing example uh, in history, Zappos, right? There is this mm -hmm. whole experience around the about employees, people who probably process TPS reports all day long, 
throwing on a pair of shoes, them turning on the camera, and that employee telling the camera what they think about the pair of shoes. And that's a buying experience unlike anything that you get from anyone else. And yes, their whole mantra is customer experience, and it's great. And they do have a great customer experience. But that's still not – or uh, customer service, sorry. But that's still – that great customer service still isn't what makes them Zappos. It's this it's this whole ecosystem that they've created around this is the Zappos experience. If you believe in what we do and what we're yeah. trying to do and you can wear that that like a badge, you need to buy shoes from us and people do. I mean, they're not paying any less for them. I mean, you're not buying you're not paying less when you go to Zappos, but you are going to get right. a good pair of shoes. So, so that's kind of the idea there and um I like I said oh, I love that. None of it's groundbreaking, but I think that the None of the ideas on an island are groundbreaking. I think the process exactly. at which that we take you through is a little different than people have thought. And I and it's more geared towards it's not tweet four times, right? It's it's here's how you're gonna build a foundation. And those things, how many times you tweet or the messages that you create are gonna come out of this foundation that you've built and they're just gonna seem yeah. natural. Absolutely. Okay, so tell me with the with the time you have left here. Tell me a little bit about how you're actually launching this book because I'm really fascinated by that process as well. So uh, you are actually played a huge part in this. Um, I have been this book has been in creation for geez probably going on two years, and I think I was complaining to you about how I just can't get this book out, <laughs> yeah. you know, and whatever. And then I got an email from you introducing me to a guy by the name of Guy Vincent, who is a very very cool dude. We immediately connected, and he is the founder of a, uh, he likes to call it a disruption platform, but basically a, uh, crowdfunding platform for authors. And it, it, but it's, it's more than just that, right? Like you get him and his guidance and his services, which uh, have been invaluable to me. And what this process has basically done is kind of, it's, it's allowed me to start to activate my audience. So, so I actually just posted something on Google plus about this today i don't know how that will coincide with the with the launch of this uh, episode but um uh in the thought process was or the pushback that i've got from people around crowdfunding has been um you know you're just it's just a money grab like you haven't even created this thing yet like you're just trying to get some money up front like it, you know why aren't you waiting until the book is done it's like you know bs like that and my response to them is here's what crowdfunding does for you okay first of all it allows you to finance some of the expenses of a, of, uh, of a book project that uh, you may not have necessarily have the finances to get out or that would put undue pressure on you and the creation process, right? So my whole thing with this book has been I wanted to self-publish, but I really wanted it to be um, as high quality as it possibly could. And in order to make that happen, um, the financial aspects of that, I – I didn't want to put undue strain on myself because then I worried about pushing the book out too quickly and not having it be the product that I wanted. But more than the finances was this idea of activating your audience. So you 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 don't people will tell you that they'll buy something, right? Like so if you called me up and you said, "Hey Ryan, I got this new book idea. It's really cool. Would you buy it?" I'd say, "Sure, I would." Right? But when the, you actually sent me the link, would I buy it? Would I not? Who knows, okay? But 
when you do a campaign like this, um, a crowdfunding campaign, and you ask people to support an idea, a belief system, a product, a project, before it actually has come to completion, what you're saying is, what, what they're saying is, I believe in you and this thing, and I'm willing to put money up front. This is a good idea. You should move forward with this. So it's audience validation of your idea, and it gives you basically pr- – not that you need permission. I don't want to go down that path. But uh, it, it gives you kind of the, the green light to, okay, this idea is something someone will pay for. And you really need to make this as good as you possibly can. Um, so it's been an incredible experience. Uh, we can talk. I have a few more minutes than I, than I thought I did. So if you want to uh, talk about a few more things in detail, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. And if you have to cut off, just let me know and we'll cut off. Um, I, I will preface this with saying that you, when do you, when do you um, actually start the campaign? The campaign starts June 8th. It'll run for 30 days. Um, cool. Yeah. So that means I think p- this will be coming out around June 8th, around that time, cool. uh, give or take a day or so. So when people hear this, uh, first of all, go where, where, where should they go? Do they go, go, go to Publishizer.com? They can go to Publishizer.com, uh, Publishizer.com, or just go to ContentWarfareBook.com, and that URL will redirect you right to the uh, campaign page. So ContentWarfareBook.com will have a redirect to the Publishizer campaign. You can get there and check it out. There's lots of cool rewards and, and stuff that we're doing. Yeah, so so and and I'll have that in the show notes so everybody knows and they can also come to uh to my website but that's that makes it really easy contentwarfarebook.com and it'll redirect them. So, okay, so this idea of of I love the concept of crowdfunding. Um I love the idea of validation. I love the idea of of finding out if something can work right at the outset because I think the killer of many businesses and many great ideas is not is not validating the idea soon enough. Um Maybe it could have worked, but you don't get the validation early enough, so it, it collapses, or you spend all this time building something, and then nobody shows up, yeah. right? And so crowd, crowdfunding solves both those problems, right? Which I think are the, the two greatest risks to any business, to any idea, to any creative endeavor, to any project. So the way, so I, I, think, I, I, I think this is awesome. Plus, it's fun. So tell me a little bit about um, getting people inspired to support crowdfunding because you you laid out the reasons why it's great yeah. how do you actually inspire people to come and contribute and 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 give to an idea yeah. so first of all it's all about a lifetime of audience building right like i have been building this is the first thing that i've ever asked my audience to pay for ever in 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 the the, the time that i've been creating this is the first thing um so i don't i don't constantly ask them for things which may or may not be a workable business model long term but we'll see um the, the, the point is I have an audience already that I give to as much as I possibly can. So there, there are already people there. If you're completely starting from scratch with an idea, uh, there are probably other models that you have to take. What I have done, considering the fact that I have a built-in audience, is like the Austin Kleon show your work method, right? So basically I use a, a tool called Hackpad. I actually think that I've uh, uh, given you access to come in and check out the thing. But um, yep. But as I create in that space, I'm pulling off interesting quotes, uh, interesting stats, uh, quotes from other people that I'm adding to the book. I have a dedicated Facebook group, uh, which I call the Founders Community, which will get, you know, they'll ultimately have access to potentially be beta readers and they'll get additional things that people, anyone else wouldn't get because they've come in, they've supported me, um, they've had access to different sketches for the, um, Mars Dorian is doing the cover, uh, which is going to give it a really interesting look and 
Um, we had, the poor guy I made him do like ten sketches, and I know. <laughs> yeah, I saw me. that process. But um, <laughs> but he's doing a fantastic job, and it's like coming along, and it really looks great. I'm really happy, and I've given this kind of audience who've given me their email and joined this Facebook group kind of behind the scenes access to all those sketches, getting their feedback. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of dripping out piece of information, getting people excited. Um, you know, it's, it's mentioning it in context in different posts on Google plus, um, you know, we're going to do some other different things, but really what I've seen the most, I've gotten the most traction from is just showing people the work, right? Just like giving people backstage access to the mentality of what's going into the book, you know, the things that don't work. Oh, I need to put it on hold for a week because I have this thing going on. Like I, I emailed everyone. I just said, my kid's being born this month. Like I'm literally not going to write a word. I'm sorry. And people like went nuts. They're like, oh, don't worry about it. Boom, boom, boom. I, here's my friend. You know, he needs to get involved in this. You know, so people like want to be part of a thing, and which which I get too because I'm the same way, right? Like you, you believe in a message and you want to be part of it. And by giving people the behind the scenes access to your to your creation process, uh, it really allows them to attach themselves to what's going on. That's awesome. So, and, and I, I'm really excited to see. I think you, this is going to blow up. Um, I think you're definitely going. What, what's your? Do you have a minimum funding goal for this? Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Awesome. And that's gonna that's gonna finance the the art that you've done, the editing, yeah. the actual physical print of it too, right? Because that's what Publishizer does as well. Yeah. Um, I do have to wrap up, Tom. I'm sorry. Uh, cool. Yes. Yeah. So it's it, the the ten thousand basically just pays for all the expenses um, of the of the book because we're doing a hardcover run with a really nice jacket. Uh, we're doing a bunch of other stuff. So it's that that ten thousand goal is just an expense to make the book the best quality product I can because I think that my I owe that to my audience. So perfect. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the call with us today, man. It's great stuff. Tom, I wish I had more time, but I very much appreciate this, man. It's been uh, you have been. A, crucial, crucial part of making this thing happen. And I appreciate all the guidance you've given me. And that wraps up In the Trenches Broadcast 22. If you want to check out the show notes, just go to tomworkus.com slash broadcast 22. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast in some way, shape, or form, leave a review on iTunes and spread the word. Thank you so much in advance for your support. As always, this is Tom Morkus. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.